impact and fix spec, this is Founders Anonymous, the podcast that helps you move your business up a gear. I'm your host, David Trott. And I'm Chris Lees. Welcome to Founders Anonymous. I'm David Trott. And coming up this week, Fear the Walking Dead. We look at zombie businesses and how to tell if yours can be saved or if it's time to shoot it in the face. I watched my first ever episode of Love Island, and James May shouts at me in a pub. With me is the Cagney to my Lacey, the Cosmo to my Dibs, my co-host Chris. Chris, how has your week been? I've had a great week, but more importantly, Cosmo to my Dibs, I don't understand that reference. I much prefer I am your Rodney to your Del Boy. I think that's far more fitting for us. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I mean, my surname does suit that. It, these, are, these are references for our older listeners, aren't they? <laughs> I'm, I'm of the age that I should know about it, but okay. Uh, otherwise, my week has been great. How about yours? Yeah, I've had a good week. It's too hot, far too hot, um, especially for a little ginger man like me. So, um, but it's beautiful weather. Like once you get past the the all-consuming, crippling terror of climate change, actually the weather's quite nice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> So last week, we talked about products and understanding your hidden product. Uh, when you tried to convince me, Chris, that Simon Sinek isn't just full of hot air. And this week, you want to talk about zombies. Right, I'm all for this, so bring it on. Chris, tell me about zombies. All right, so the, so the idea is that there are some companies that are really zombie companies. And zombie companies are the ones that should probably just fold. And you know the people, the people who uh, are running them are essentially always going to be a little bit frustrated that they're not quite achieving what they want to achieve when they set out running a business. And they would frankly be better off getting a job, right? And we all know when you, when you actually start out of business, you have all these great hopes and dreams. You think you're going to end up like Jeff Bezos and shoot yourself to, into space, you know, within a couple of couple of years, that sort of thing. And the reality actually is pretty different. It's a long, hard slog. And when you're in that mode of going through trying to build up your business and things just aren't quite clicking, there's this tendency of thinking, I'm, I'm just a zombie. I'm, I'm successful enough to carry on, mm-hmm. but I'm not unsuccessful enough that it's obvious to me that I need to shut down. And you end up in this limbo land in between where, as you say, you should just shoot yourself in the face. <laughs> I'm not in any way recommending that. Cool. Okay. Okay. My first question is, what is a zombie business then? So a zombie business is is probably one which is clearly not growing. If you're not a zombie business, you know it, right? Because you are growing and you're, you know, it's super busy and, you know, you're making good profits and stuff like that. Anything other than that means you are potentially a zombie business. And there are probably three things that you want to, you want to look for. There are three type of businesses that end up in this uh, limbo land of not quite making it. The first of all is you're running a business that should probably really be a side business or a hobby. It's never going to achieve the, the type of levels that you, that you really want. Um, just try to find a way of doing it in your, in your downtime. A second one is probably kind of a new category, which is the husk of the business. Um, perhaps something that has just been hollowed out possibly by the pandemic just coming along, just fundamentally shifting people's behavior. Um, that means that something that was successful in the past is now really not so successful anymore. Uh, and making that decision to actually shut something down is extremely hard, so you carry on. That's kind of a second one. 
And then the third one is probably, well, look, there was no market demand for the thing that you were actually selling in the first place, right? And so a lot of particularly technology businesses fall into this category of they come up with a technical solution to something and then they look for the market problem that they're solving, right? Okay, so, right. Number one is the hobbyist. Yep. The second is the husks, the 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 businesses that are hollowed out by circumstances beyond their control, such as COVID. Yep. Um, and the third is where there's just no market. There just never was a market, right? And I think that the litmus test in all of these three cases is, are you paying yourself your market rate? And I see this time and time again that, you know, small business owners start out and we all do the same thing. There is no money to begin with and therefore we don't pay ourselves. And we justify that to ourselves saying, it's okay, I'm doing something strategic, the payoff, the long-term payoff is gonna make that worth it. But if the long-term payoff doesn't come, all you actually do is you just get more and more and more resentful. And it's that resentfulness that kind of grows over time. So, of course, you cannot pay yourself money that physically doesn't exist, right? <laughs> it, you know, so I'm, I'm not saying, look, go into massive amounts of debt and pay yourself for your true market value. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is you almost want like, you know, a ledger somewhere, a spreadsheet somewhere that says, if I was doing a job, this is how much I would actually earn. Yep. Turn it into, uh, you know, dollars and cents as the Americans would say. You turn it into a financial amount and work out, this is, this is my opportunity cost that I foregone to do my business. Is this still worth it to me? And when it hits a certain point, then you really need to question yourself about whether you carry on or not. Yeah, there are always going to be situations where you don't pay yourself the, the market rate because yeah. you're trying to grow, you've taken on new team members and you pay them first or you're investing in a business in order to make it grow. But there, there has to come a point at which you say, what is my, as you say, opportunity cost and why am I not paying myself that and can I pay myself that? Right. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, you know, there, are, there may be an opportunity where you realize this isn't going to grow. I'm never going to be able to achieve, you know, the level of market rates, essentially, that I would pay myself. And that might just cause you to pivot slightly in terms of the way that you run the business. So perhaps it goes from being a full-time job to being a part-time job. Or you look for part-time work to perhaps bolster your overall income, yeah. that, that sort of thing. So I, I've been a little bit negative so far, so, so I want to kind of be a little bit more positive about if you find yourself in a situation, what should you be doing about it? And for me, this right now, this particular moment in time is the most important time since the whole pandemic started for business owners to really reevaluate exactly what it is that they are doing. And I say that because it feels like we are on the cusp of opening up. Uh, but right now, this is the time that the business owner should be reevaluating things and working out how do I make this a success? How do I exit this pandemic in a, in a positive way? And so the, the, the thing that I would kind of challenge everybody on is look at all of the things that you have done during the pandemic. Um, a lot of people try to do things that they've never done before because they were forced into it. Right, you know, perhaps you're a restaurant and then you suddenly had to pivot to takeaway style deliveries. Yep. So there's been probably more innovation during the pandemic than you would naturally have. Take a look at that and work out what your experience is. Has any of that really worked? You should also look out for things where you predict the customer at the moment is tolerating something that you've done, but doesn't actually demand it. If you know that people don't really want to behave in the way that you're doing it at the moment, just purely because COVID prevents you from doing something in a traditional way. Those are things you need to cut. 
but also look for things where customer habits have fundamentally changed or customer needs have fundamentally changed during COVID. Try to pre uh, predict where they might be headed and move towards that, you know, that future location. So for example, there's lots and lots and lots of surveys at the moment and polls coming out saying work from home is far more likely to exist um, in the future than it did before. So, you know, if you were operating a, a lunch place in a major metropolitan city, your footfall is probably going to go down. So what yeah. are you going to do about that? What, like, what's, how are you going to deal with that long-term trend? That's really interesting. So a lot of this goes back to some of the stuff that we've spoken about before on this podcast, which is about trying to understand your market and, and your target customer. But what we're talking about now is very, very specific. So what... We talk a lot about what they want. We've never spoken before about what does your target audience tolerate and what do they hope would change. Right. And we haven't really spoken about what are the fundamentally changed behaviors and changed habits of those audiences that you need to predict, anticipate, interpret, all of which is, is great business intelligence and, and it helps you reanimate your zombie business, right? Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that, that might help people is an exercise I went through right at the beginning of the pandemic where I just got a, a blank sheet of paper and I, I divided it into three columns. And I said, this is the stuff that I know right now about what's going on with my customers. This is the, the set of stuff that I suspect is going on. Don't know it for a fact, but it's what I suspect. And this is a set of things that I simply don't know where this is gonna land. And I just listed out all of the possible impacts that I could see on my business. That picture is constantly shifting, yeah. okay? But the value that I got out of that exercise in particular is to get all of this stuff out of my head and put it on a bit of paper and to recognize that it's okay for you to have unanswered questions. That's absolutely fine. You just put them in the I don't know column um, and it stops you kind of dwelling on them and going around mm. it in, in your head. Sure. And in many ways, that helps to organize your thoughts in terms of what do I need to ask? What's the next question I need to ask to prospects or existing customers to find an answer to that. So it's a very, very useful exercise, that three column approach. So those three columns again are things I know, things I suspect, and things I don't know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And those things shift, right? That's a really, really important uh, thing to say. It's so much changing all of the time. You need to put it down on a piece of paper and try to understand all of the stuff that you don't understand. Go and ask people about it, shift it over into the things that I do know column. And then once you have that, it's a great time to look down that and say, have the fundamentals of my business shifted permanently based on what I now know about the new customer demands and the new customer um, uh, expectations. Yeah. How do I meet that yeah. going forward? And more importantly, do I want to meet that? Yes. Right. Yes, so, absolutely. So a big part of this is if the market fundamentally changes beyond something that you can either service or that you're happy to service, then that's a decision moment, right? That's It might be a painful moment, but it's still an important decision moment where rather than trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and continue operating your business as it was for the old normal, now you're trying to figure out, can I meet the needs of this new environment and do I want to? And if I don't want to, that's quite an empowering moment, just that recognition that it might not be something you want to do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, look, it's always hard, the idea of shutting down a business, but... It is also quite liberating to come to the conclusion of this isn't working. So you shouldn't see the death of a, of a zombie business as a negative. No. It's good. No, it's good. We're supposed to kill zombies, aren't you? 
Do you kill zombies? Because they're already dead, aren't they? What's the what's the terminology? I, I'm going to go with slay because <laughs> it's just the it's just the best term I can come up with. But uh, I don't know if that actually means that you know they are truly dead. Right, listeners, <laughs> let us know what, what what's the word. How do you how do you get rid of a zombie? What do you do? Kill, slay, let us know. Podcast <laughs> at impactbiz.co.uk. This is everything we wanted the podcast to be. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so it's that time of the week again when we get to find out what's been getting under David's skin. Uh, what has been getting you <laughs> agitated this week? Oh, God. So, uh, well, as always, so many things. But I've got, yeah, I've got something in particular. And again, it's about me and my response to the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, look, it's very hard for me to talk about this without coming across as a dreadful asshole, but I'm going to do my best. So I've really been getting into the idea of a, a sort of empathetic meditation. Okay. Right. I, I know this isn't what you're expecting. No, but, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay. The idea is this. There is incredible power in recognizing that other people's experiences of life are as rich and vivid and colorful as your own. Because we all feel like we're the main character in our own narrative, in our own story, and that other people are incidental characters and the things they do are designed to either help me or piss me off. Right, that's just everyone's natural way of looking at the world, and of course it's not true because mm-hmm. everyone's lived experiences is mm-hmm. as vivid and rich and colourful as everyone else's, mm-hmm. and there is value in recognising that and spending some time really reflecting on that, and it helps you shape the way you respond to the world around you and events that are outside of your control. Right. Okay. So this is all part of my quest to be a better person which is an endless quest and one that I find incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. There is a video by David Foster Wallace. In 2005, he gave a commencement speech. I think it was at Kenyon College or something. And there is an incredible video where someone's created this short, edited 10-minute version of the speech. And its main points are that all of this, all of lived experience is an act of choice. So you can choose when something happens that is outside of your control or something irritating happens, you can choose to be irritated by it. And you can have that as your default natural state or you can choose to consider all the multitude of possibilities and the richness that, that that brings with it. And that moment, that decision moment, that choice is is where you get to take back control and regain the narrative in your own mind, right? It's, it's incredible. I'll watch it at least once a year and have done for, for the past 10 years. It's incredibly powerful. Okay. So that's where we are. And then you meet what I call the drifters. There is a huge proportion of the population that seem to be entirely fucking oblivious to everything around them, right? They're the guys that that stop their shopping trolley in the middle of the aisle, blocking everything so they can spend 20 minutes reading a yogurt pot. They're the guys that just stop randomly in the pavement so you can't get past, you end up walking into them. They're those guys. And the guys that just drift out of junctions in their cars without looking and you have to slam on the brakes and they're totally unaware that that ever happened. Honestly, there is nothing in the world that winds me up more than people that just walk around oblivious to everything. It mm-hmm. just, and they are, they are my kryptonite. So every single time I try and do this empathetic approach, this empathetic meditation on <laughs> the human nature, I am foiled by one of these fuckers turning up and ruining my day. Okay. And, and that's the thing that's pissed me off this week, is my reaction to these things. Because the whole point of this David Foster Wallace talk is that you don't, they're, they're not there specifically designed to piss me off. 
but I just have this visceral response to it that is, I know all that. I intellectually, I recognize all that, but no, this, this fucker right here, no, he is designed to piss me off. He's deliberately come out today to ruin my day. And that's the thing that's pissed me off at the moment. That's what I'm struggling with. Okay. Well, you do realize that there's an anti-David Trot, uh, you know, <laughs> league. And we're all in it. We're all in cahoots, right? Uh, and we, we meet once a week uh, to plan how to just absolutely annoy you. <laughs> you realize that? Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Genuinely, <laughs> genuinely wouldn't. That's how it feels. So there we go. There we go. I'm trying to be a better person and everyone's fucking ruining it for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're getting some therapy. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> So on a on a lighter note, then let's talk about what's distracting you from work. So this week, uh, David, I saw you live tweeting your first ever episode of Love Island. Um, what what was it like? What, what what was going through your head? Fucking hell! It's just awful, isn't it? <laughs> I know this is the light-hearted section. But <laughs> fucking hell! So right, so someone that we share an office with has just gone into Love Island. Right, mm. I, I don't know the guy. I've walked past him on the stairs, but I recognise him. And he appeared on the show last night and we knew he was going to go on the show. So so we decided to watch it. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I didn't understand the premise. I don't understand the concept. I don't understand who the people are. And I can't tell any of them apart. They're all the same. They're all this amorphous blob right. of youth and honking, nasal, vocal fry bullshit. So I don't, I don't get all of that. I didn't know what was happening on the show. I'm not the target market for this. I'm too old. I'm too old and it's not for me and I get that. But I just, I, I cannot, I don't understand why it's such a big phenomenon. And maybe it's one of those things where I just have to persevere. I just have to get through three or four episodes and then I'll be, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Oh, she said this. Like, I, I, I don't think that would ever happen, but maybe it would. I don't know. So that's that's one distraction, but it wasn't it wasn't like a highlight. I have okay. To say. One of the highlights of my week is that for the first time in a year, I managed to get to the pub with my best mate. Wow. Awesome. I mean, so much has happened in this past year and we haven't been able to sit down and just debrief and vent over a pint. So we okay. managed to do that. Like he's had a kid since we last had a yeah. pint in a pub. Yeah. So we sat outside in the pub and it was glorious. The weather's beautiful and it was lovely. Then because I sort of got the taste of going to the pub when I was waiting to pick up a takeaway with my brother-in-law, instead of hanging around for half an hour waiting for the food to be cooked, we just went to the pub over the road. Mm -hmm. And it was an indoor pub, so pop a mask on. And this guy standing outside who looks like a quick-save James May. Like, honestly, if you told me that someone had just microwaved James May for 30 seconds and this is what resulted, <laughs> I, I would have believed you. It's uncanny. As we're walking in, he starts shouting at us because we're putting our masks on. Oh, right. really? So this rabid anti-masker is shouting at us because we're trying to protect him. But anyway, regardless of that, went in, someone else poured a pint and it was cold and it was beautiful and I loved it and I love pubs and I, I want to spend more time in them. Okay. That's my <laughs> distraction. What about you? Yeah, so, well, so in the last couple of days, my distraction has been trying to educate my mother on a very, very important semantic difference. I've been trying to tell my mother that in the UK, you can go and get uh, rapid lateral flow uh, test from any pharmacy. You simply turn up and uh, they'll give you a box absolutely free. Away you go, right? It's like, you know, handing out candy to, to kids. 
Anyway, so I, I tried to educate my mother about this and I said, you know, you should go and get some, just have them in the house, you know, available. So my mother walks into a pharmacy and says, I would like a test. And here's where the semantics comes in. She didn't say, I'd like a box of tests, please. She said, I'd like a test. And the difference there is that instead of like just, oh, here's a box, see you later. Like the pharmacist just immediately recoiled. Yep. It's like, what the hell are you doing coming in my pharmacy <laughs> with symptoms? And then, then it's like, you know, have you got any symptoms? And my mother's, you know, quite honest, I guess, in the, in the thing. She's like, well, I've got a bit of a headache and, you know, I've had a little bit of a sniffles. She's just had a cold, honestly. She's had, just had a cold, right? But nonetheless, this pharmacist, like, just went completely white and was telling her, oh, you've got to go get a PCR test. Anyway. Because they simply wouldn't hand over the uh, the test, she then left the chemist and said, I can't be bothered. So she ended up doing neither, not getting a rapid test and not going to get a PCR test, all because she hasn't quite worked out the difference between I'd like a test and I'd like a box of tests. <laughs> so that's been distracting me for last week. Oh, your poor mum. Well, keep us updated. Listeners are, I'm sure, desperate to know how your mum gets on. So keep us <laughs> keep us updated next week. All right. So that's it for this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you've got a story or want to ask a question, you can message the podcast directly by emailing podcast at impactbiz, B-I-Z dot co dot UK. You can also tweet at us, uh, founders anon pod. Uh, if you have any recommendations for David to join in terms of gyms or otherwise getting fit, please do tweet those. He absolutely loves it. Uh, but otherwise, please don't forget to subscribe and re leave a review uh, on the show, on iTunes, Spotify, any of the major podcasting platforms or on all of them. Otherwise, we'll be back next Thursday with another episode and David's update on his gym activities. Uh, so have a great week. <laughs> God. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Founders Anonymous is an Impact and Fixpec production. Mm -hmm.